0: Caught Offside with Andrew Gundling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Andrew Gundling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother?
1: Andrew, tis the season. Uh, this is the season of football. It's not It's not the festive season. That's just a name we put on it for the most busy time in football, I I have to say straight away, if there's a team or a game or a player that you don't think we get to, we will get to it over this holiday period. It
0: just—I'm not willing to promise that.
1: I will do my best to do it, but there is so much happening now. The games are coming thick and fast. I mean, we we do love it, yeah, but it is a lot of football. Well, that's all right. We crave it. Yeah, we need it, and I'm excited after today's. Obviously. How was your Thanksgiving? It was fine. It was very nice. Okay, it was good. It's uh, sounds like it was pretty average. It was. It was nice. A super average Thursday. Nice. I mean, it's another Thursday to a man who never celebrated it up until a few years ago. I do enjoy it, but um, I love it. Yeah,
0: I absolutely love it. I we had a um, <laughs> one of those things where like sometimes a certain word can make you feel old. Does that make sense? Like, there's words that you use when you're younger. That's still you can use when you're older. Like Words like cool, like, okay, you start saying that when you're like a teenager or whatever, but you can still say, oh, that's cool, when you're 70, and that's fine. Right. I came across a word, one of the guests at our Thanksgiving, Amanda, oh. my wife had someone that she works with. Uh, she runs a, a children's choir, and um, so she worked with somebody there who's in their young, tw- early 20s, early mid-20s. Uh-huh. And didn't have like their family here, so Amanda was nice and said, come to our Thanksgiving. And it was great. She was amazing and and really fun to have there. But she kept using uh, the word fire to
1: describe things. Oh, she was saying, oh, that's fire. Andrew, your sweater she is fire.
0: She said it so many times. And every time she said it, I was like... I don't think I can. I don't think I can use that
1: word. No, and it's also very positive. It's also very effusive. It's very. Yeah. She uh,
0: always said it with a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah,
1: you can't do that. No,
0: like at one point, she had said it multiple times about different things. I've never used it. And at one point when we were eating, I was I was like so close to just being like, God, this stuffing is. And I said, No, it's great. It's just great. Like I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself see, to do it.
1: See, even my friends will tell you. Growing up and in college, when I'd hear a word on TV or someone else would say it, then I would just use it until it was dead. Even if it was appropriate or not, yeah. even if it suited me to do it or not, I couldn't help I it. I
0: just thought about, what is this going to sound like coming out of my mouth? And I was like, no, you
1: can't. Don't no. even think about it. No. Don't even think about it. Um, there are words for you that you can never use. That's one of them. Yeah. I I, I would even go as far as to say, lit. You couldn't. L- no, no, I would never. You could never say, yeah. you could you could never end the podcast go, well, that was lit. No, wouldn't do it. No. Wouldn't do it. I wouldn't work. I don't think I can either, to be perfectly honest. No,
0: I, mean, I, w- I don't know that I would say anything, but like later on, you I would, would think about it. Me. I'd be like, that was weird <laughs> when he said that. Well, I'll tell you what, this podcast is going to be fire, JJ. We have so much to get to. There were uh, multiple, it's a midweek week. So obviously there's a lot to talk about in the Premier League. Manchester United have named the interim to replace the interim Uh, so we'll talk about Ralph Ragnick and what that means for them. The Ballon d'Or was announced. It really seemed to infuriate people, which is confusing to me, which we will talk about a little bit later on as well. And JJ, my God, uh, MLS is delivering in just a massive way. We have been treated to just some unbelievable drama over the course of the past several days. Taylor Twelman. We're expecting to speak with him a little bit later on in the podcast. He, of course, the lead soccer analyst here at ESPN. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the games and set up the semifinals because it has been it has been high drama in the postseason, which it, it always is. But it is it's delivering in a massive way.
1: And speaking of Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving game got a huge number. Yeah. It got a a very big number, a number that was exaggerated slightly on Twitter. That hurt the number. So, originally,
0: the original report came out on Twitter that 7.5 million people watched. And I said, What is this, an NBA conference final? 7.5 million. That's like World Series almost. Then, so when I saw that, I was like, This, I don't even know what to say. We've arrived, it's happening. Uh, And then later on, the number was said, No, it's actually 1.5 million. Which, sadly, is still a huge TV rating for MLS postseason. But because we were treated to this initial number, it was such a letdown when I saw that. Uh, so, it's... But I, I had some
1: thoughts on it. So, oh, you know... Okay. I, I, MLS, that's a great number anyway. The one point, what was it, one point nine or something like? That. Uh, I don't know if it was that high. So it was, it was like mid ones. Yeah. Well, when I saw it first, I thought seven million. That's unbelievable. And it's
0: going up against Thanksgiving NFL. It, that's tough competition.
1: So, so one one point whatever is really really good. But I just thought, you know, it's Thanksgiving. The surefire way to get people to watch MLS, the code's been cracked. It's to have a family gathering. Have family gatherings put the most important MLS games on during family gatherings. So, so, so have, a, have a weekend where you figure out, you, you get the data nerds to figure out when is the most amount of First Communions, Bar Mitzvahs, the whole thing, and schedule it around that. So MLS presented tonight by Joni's Bar Mitzvah. This is one of your worst ideas. It's a brilliant idea. Have the final on Christmas Day. Just have it on Christmas. No one can go anywhere. You're stuck with your family. What are you doing? We'll turn on the MLS. Back home, the biggest thing on on Christmas Day, well, more so in the UK rather than Ireland, but the biggest thing in the UK was James Bond. So you have your dinner and then Bond comes on at five o'clock and you sit there fat and bloated and farting watching James Bond. Why could MLS not be the James Bond for Christmas Day? It's
0: tough, because certain sports have kind of laid claim to certain days. I mean, the NFL kind of owns Thanksgiving, although MLS showed that they can get a little piece of that. The NBA, Christmas Day, is their marquee
1: day of the season. It's it's tough to break through. But I I mean, have have MLS games on at large gatherings. Weddings. Could you imagine? In the background, you could just have an MLS game on. See those numbers roll up, Andrew. Can we start... Let's talk about some of the midweek. No, You didn't enjoy that tangent.
0: I don't even know what to make of it Yeah, at a wedding.
1: You can always tell, guys, that when he's just had enough of my tangents. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't chip in. He doesn't enjoy it. It, 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 it didn't work. The bit didn't work.
0: Uh, let's start with the Merseyside derby, JJ, Everton, and Liverpool. Um, I saw early in the game, I tweeted you, that uh, this wasn't
1: going well for Everton oh. early on. It was... Was going excellent actually. They hadn't conceded, and they Liverpool had an xG for the first nine minutes of five.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, and then you know Liverpool got to, and I saw um, Michael Goodman tweeted something that was funny to me because sometimes for a lot of these rivalry matches, um, you know, I always see it with the North London Derby, what would the combined eleven be of the <laughs> Tottenham Arsenal? You know, the, like combined elevens for some reason are a very popular exercise when you watch when you're watching a derby of some sort and Michael Goodman had I thought a funny tweet he said the best combined Everton and Liverpool 11 is just Liverpool's
1: 11 seems like a problem for Everton huge problem and um they had their 20 minutes in the derby tonight where roused by the fact they were losing 2-0 conscious of probably the reception the halftime whistle was going to give them from by the way the atmosphere was brilliant i want to give let's give Everton credit beforehand the Everton supporters um, that's what a derby should be. And that's why they should never move. That's why it's an absolute mistake going wherever the hell they're going. Down to the docks. Bramley. Bramley dock. Don't do that. It was brilliant. Such a great atmosphere. But um, Liverpool uh, dominated, apart from those 20 minutes, where Liverpool, or where Everton just kind of, they, they, a huge gap opened up between Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joel Matip and Richarlison, who I thought was just dreadful. One of many villains, I shall call them, from that performance tonight. Who was just awful? He found uh, he found um, Demary Gray, mm-hmm. who slid home. He was actually Everton's best player, certainly going forward on the night. And um, but Andrew, it could have been five nil at half time. That's not an exaggeration. The, the early Salah chance, Matip's header, plus the two goals they actually scored. Four nil is is about right, reasonable. Yeah,
0: yeah. They are playing at a level right now. You know, I know they're not top of the table. I've said this repeatedly through the, the beginning of the season and now kind of into the, the middle of the season that we're, we're sort of entering. Uh, I, I don't care exactly what the table tells me. I know Liverpool are near the top of it. They're playing, to me, better than anyone. When they're clicking, they appear unbeatable in a way to me that some of the other teams near the Manchester City and Chelsea uh, don't, quite frankly.
1: Um I think that's a fair comment on Chelsea. I'm not so sure about Manchester City, who are just humming along, ticking along nicely. Uh, Chelsea at the weekend were disappointing, but I think that was as much formation as anything.
0: I mean, City had a bit of a scare
1: today at yeah. Villa.
0: Not an easy assignment. As did Chelsea. But Chelsea certainly did. We'll get on them in a minute, because Thomas Tuchel, of, of all the people, seemed most critical of Chelsea's performance today against uh, against Watford. But I just think, like, this is now... Yeah, you know, I know that Liverpool had that. I don't even want to call it a rough patch. What was it? They had like a recent draw, uh, you know. And Klopp was kind of you know talking about how he, he was very disappointed after one of their performances recently. But like what we just saw here, this four-one, this, these going on the road, scoring two, three, four goals. Yeah, it's become it's become par for the course. It's become normal for them to do it. It's setting a bar for what we expect from them. That. Quite frankly, right now they're reaching on a week-in, week-out basis. But I, I don't know if it's fair to expect this level from them throughout the remainder of the season. But right now, just doesn't matter where they're playing, who they're playing. You just kind of expect this, this style of football that you're seeing. This, you, know, you always talk about the heavy metal style from Klopp. The yeah. press is fierce. Mo Salah continues. Like, he has not really dropped off from what we saw in the early part of the season from Mo Salah he, again today incredible best player in the league
1: performance again what about that finish in the second goal amazing opening up his body even the Seamus Coleman mistake
0: I thought both finishes from him were fantastic I thought they were excellent and by the way he he takes it from Coleman what 55 yards yeah still a lot to do he's got a defender bearing down on him every touch is, is inch perfect and the finish was not easy he's got a defender on his back after making that run and he's got Pickford coming out at him and you just you've just come to a point where you always expect him to score,
1: and he and he delivers. And and the cross in the first half, which was the first real chance, which he stabs over the bar, which is a difficult at a difficult height, but mm-hmm. he's in that kind of form where you expect him to score. You're absolutely right. Um the midfield tonight, I thought um, Fabio, Fabinho, Fabio, Tiago, Henderson was superb. I think Diogo Jota has been this. He Just reinvigorated that front three because I thought, in fairness to Coleman, I thought he kept Sa- uh, Mane fairly quiet. Mm. You, you didn't think I so? No, relatively so. Maybe. I, I mean, mean, everything's going to be overshadowed by what happened for, for Seamus Coleman. Um, but generally speaking, I thought he did. I don't game. think
0: Seamus Coleman's leaving the stadium tonight thinking, I put that was a good performance tonight. No, I don't think he's feeling
1: that way. No, I don't think so either. And to be captain as well and make that mistake yeah. makes it Him and
0: Pickford yelling at each other three minutes
1: in well in fairness Pickford started shakily and um, I, I didn't think he was that good tonight either he does not inspire confidence for me but none of the centre backs didn't Allen is about as bad a signing as they have made I, I don't know how many games I've watched where I'm like what do you do I'm sure do? what do you
0: do I challenge our Everton supporters to come up with worse because I know in the last few
1: years there's been worse There has but not one that they've consistently started that, You know okay one that is in the team very 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 regularly uh, he is, I mean did we
0: think that Moise Ken would be Davey Class oh yeah, I think a lot of Everton fans would suggest that one. Yeah,
1: who who, who I think... what was
0: the when it Was it John Philippe Gabamin? Gabamin, however you say his yeah. last name. I mean, he hasn't consistently started, but that was supposed to be an important signing. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. They've they've put together a nice eleven of bad signings over the last few years. That's that
1: is very very true. I just thought they were um... Solomon Rondon in the year of our Lord. 2021. I praised that signing earlier in the season too. I know, I know. <laughs> Bad move yeah. comes off injured as well. Just they're dreadful. They're absolutely dreadful. They stink. And, and it, it, I don't have the the native kind of rivalry or hatred with them. I've never been able to muster it. I love beating them, but because it is the derby. But I I don't have that kind of animosity towards them. So when I say they stink, I, I I'm being objective in saying that. They obviously stink.
0: Yeah, I mean, and by the way, I, I think their own support knows agrees it. and feels that way too. It was it was you? I think that sent me the tweet uh, from uh, over the weekend of well, their
1: of their the defeat at Brentford. So uh, Brentford are playing Hey Jude, which is their ninety-minute song, their finishing track. And I na, na 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 hey Jude and I, f off <laughs> f off you effing eh. yeah. There's and, a
0: video from the away support. Oh section, my god! And, and Everton fans are just losing yeah, their mind as the players come over to kind of applaud them, and it's it is not reciprocated. It's vicious. They're point. They're
1: they're just gesticulating for them to just get out of our sight. Yeah. Not pretty. Not At, pretty. And right I now. don't see how. It, I really don't see how it gets better. This is, this is one of Rafa's biggest challenges, to, to, to not turn this thing around, to try and stabilize and get themselves out of the trajectory they're heading, which is downward.
0: Uh, a couple other notes on Liverpool. We mentioned Mo Salah before. Um, I was talking about um, Liverpool and how their performances away from Anfield have been so impressive. Salah in particular, 14 goal contributions in Premier League away games this season. That is one shy of tying his career best. It's December 1st. It's December first. He's already done that away from home this season. Uh, Opta JJ points out: Mo Salah is the first Liverpool player to score twice on the road versus Everton in the Merseyside Derby since twice on the road at Goodison. Luis Suarez, no, uh, way further back then. Further back, Twi- I mean, you weren't twice. You weren't a child. You were
1: you were an adult. Uh, twice on the road. Ooh, go on fernando torres 2008 oh, come on. yeah i should have yeah, got that one you should have actually disappointing really
0: yeah well i'll give you a chance to redeem yourself
1: oh no another one <laughs> why aren't you even playing the trivia bit?
0: Uh, come on. i didn't have enough of them usually i need three i only have two trivia sorry everyone uh let's see how well you know Jurgen. all right Jurgen klopp uh in his six premier league visits to goodison park he's unbeaten two wins four draws but has not lost The only other stadium in which Jurgen Klopp has never lost in at least five visits, do you know where? And he's and this one has been six wins, uh, in six visits, unbeaten in this in this venue. Ooh,
1: it's not Norwich. We haven't played there that many. No, I'll give you a hint. Go
0: on. It's a venue that you do not necessarily associate with uh, success. Your association with it is probably a more negative one. Go on. Selhurst Park. Oh. Yeah, Crystal Palace.
1: That will be forever the place where, where Bre- the- Brendan's castle came tumbling down. Yeah. Brendan's hastily... I'll never forget that. Hastily assembled but exciting castle came.
0: Probably the greatest game that Dwight Gale has ever... Uh, he came on as a sub, too, didn't he? Oh, oh, whatever. Tony know. Pulis's finest hour. We're not going to make you relive it. Um, but Liverpool right now, they're flying. I don't know if you have any more on this one, but uh, that it was an impressive, impressive performance. I, t- him, I think
1: in, in terms of uh sensual skills and uh you know turns and things we're going to be talking about at the in an end of season compilation highlight reel, Diogo Jota's turn of Allen to just to leave him in, in a mess and then fire past into the roof of the net past Pickford was about as special as it gets. Great goal.
0: Uh let's see we move on, JJ Aston Villa, Manchester City This one standing out to me and to most people, I would think, for the return of one of Aston Villa's favorite sons, Jack Grealish. And um, I don't have audio of it, but I I went on Twitter. I just kind of—because when I was watching the game, I had it on mute. It was while I was at work. And I saw him. He came on as a sub. Didn't start. Um, But the reception for him, I don't know what I was expecting. Well— I'll be honest. This could be delusional. I was kind of expecting a, applause. Uh, that may be. I may be in a different world where that's just like not a thing that happens. But I didn't think the from the videos that I saw, uh, you know, people in the stands tweeting out videos of of pre match when he came on um, to train, kind of out on the pitch before the game started, uh, and then when he came on as a sub, the response did not seem. Warm to me. Uh, was I wrong to think that he would get more of an applause, a friendly applause?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't see any of of that, so I can't. I can't comment on that specifically, but I can comment on what you thought. I thought it would be much warmer. Okay. I think he he went down with the ship and was instrumental, along with Dean Smith, in bringing this club back to the Premier League. And Remember, he, like
0: I just think of certain
1: moments, like to me. The the, the idea
0: of him going down with the ship easily, at that point in his career, easily could have left and gone to pretty much any club that he wanted to. Already we knew that he was class, that he was going to be a star player. Um, And he didn't. And I don't really remember any fuss being made, and he stayed. So, like, that's one thing. But to me, there are certain things that can happen in a player's career that kind of, almost no matter what happens going forward, kind of makes them untouchable. Villa Birmingham fan runs onto the field, punches him in the face, yeah, and then Grealish scores the winner in the second half. That's you <laughs> against your biggest rival. That's him doing, taking that, and then not really batting an eye on at it, and scoring the winner, and like talking about it after the game and about how proud he was to have done it against that team for his boy, like. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm living in a fantasy You're world, not. but like to me, that it kind of he doesn't he didn't really leave Villa under like acrimony. It didn't. It wasn't a messy goodbye. No. Uh, like I don't know. Kind of makes him untouchable for me as far as Villa support
1: goes moving forward. I'm with you on this one. You know, he did that much, and he also didn't leave at 19. He didn't agitate for a move at 19 or 21. No. He left at 25. He's now 26. Like Villa got a lot of the best years out of Jack Grealish and he was committed he loved the club what else could he really have done the economics dictated that he left Aston Villa were not turning down 100 million right no chance it was ever uh, there was going to be depreciation on him from, from pretty much this year on They'd never see a hundred million for him again from anyone, and so it was as much the economic forces that pushed him out of the club as well. And he obviously a desire to play Champions League football, but um, win trophies and
0: yeah, things that I I mean, look, no offense to Villa, they're a great club, great history, and you know they they have great days ahead of them, I'm sure. Um, but, but I
1: thought there was a grim acceptance that th- that's the economy of football and yeah. that, that was the move that had to be made. So I kind of agree with you. Uh, Grealish was in the papers, he gave an interview, interview to The Telegraph ahead of today's game, saying, I found it a lot more difficult than I thought I would adapting to a different manager and teammates. He's speaking about Manchester City. At first I thought I'd have more of the ball, get more assists and goals, but it doesn't work like that at all. I've had nowhere near as much of the ball as I used to get at Villa. Hmm. It hasn't been a smooth transition. Now Guardiola then, he responded to those comments in his presser before the game today and said, well, I think he's doing better than he he thinks and it's going to take time to integrate and, and to figure out things. But, I mean, if you look at what Jack Grealish's role at Aston Villa was versus what it would be in the unit that is Manchester City...
0: Well, he was never going to see the amount of the ball never. at City that I mean, he was everything for them at at Aston Villa. Think of the number of fouls that he drew uh, for Aston Villa. He he generated all of their attack. It felt like so uh, it was never going to be the same, and that's just not what a Manchester City style is ever going to be. No, it will it's never not. It, it will never really be you know focused on one individual to lead the attack. They might get close every once in a while. Back when Yaya Torre was there, De Bruyne has had moments where he's kind of been that guy, but it's not really their their attack is not predicated on
1: that no so I suppose it's, it's a, a patience game for him by the way things will never be as good as they were at Villa like that feeling that connection to your hometown club he can forget about that
0: let's see if he plays a vital role in a Champions League run that might change things then <laughs> yeah uh, in terms of the game itself uh, I think a goal of the year candidate might have sprung from this one Bernardo Silva with just an
1: unbelievable volley <sighs> It's one of those goals, Andrew. The 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 move was great down the right hand side. The ball is centered and it's just it's perfectly cushioned, taken in stride. Gorgeous goal, absolutely gorgeous. I uh, the feelings I got the feelings. There we I, go. I really did.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it's an important win for Manchester City. Still a long way to go in the season, of course, but they do keep pace with all those around them. Um, any thoughts? We haven't really talked too much, JJ, about Steven Gerrard's start at Aston Villa. I, I mean, th- today obviously a, a small setback. Not that anyone really thought that Villa were going to get a, a result against this no. Manchester City side, but so far it's gone pretty well.
1: It has gone well. Uh, beating Brighton was important, and I think following that up, two wins and the bounce, very good. This was always the one that, not a gimme. Well, pretty much a gimme. They're not going to win that game, um, and so it's early to say. But he does. He does. He does look like he's he's enjoying it. He does look the part. Does that sound strange? I don't. What does that mean? Um, Like,
0: I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm curious for you to define that.
1: The, it. I don't. He has like
0: an authoritative presence, right? An aura, maybe. An aura.
1: The suit is immaculate. You know, he looks like a manager. We all know what a manager looks like.
0: Right, like when you're creating your manager's profile on FIFA, one of them could be the Gerard template. Exactly. Okay.
1: None of them are the Nagelsmann, I, I'm just going to, uh, you know, a late 90s dance club <laughs> vibe. You know? No, none of them are that. And that's why when you see you look at Nagelsmann, you think, first of all, he's too young. And second of all, what is he wearing? Whereas Gerard fits that Premier League template. I can't tell you very much about what tactical changes he's made, how, how, how much better Villa are, because I'm convinced Villa would have got out of their dip with Dean Smith when players got fit. So I need a longer sample size before I can start to assess Stephen Jarrett. Okay. Uh,
0: one other note on Manchester City. Um, Kevin De Bruyne obviously didn't play again today since uh, be, since being submitted in COVID protocol. Um, I don't know what to make so far of, of the start to the season when it comes to the De Bruyne-Manchester City dynamic is it worrisome that he doesn't appear i mean look some of this is injury-based but he's not he's he's either not playing like this is going to affect his fitness moving forward um you know are manchester city going to be able to keep up this pace with liverpool with chelsea two teams that are clearly great that are both in their own right more than capable of winning this title if kevin de bruyne isn't there isn't a, a part of this in the way that we've been accustomed to in past years. Is that a worry, or should we take some kind of positive spin on this and say, "Well, look at Manchester City right now, and, and it's been pretty much without De Bruyne being even a shell of what we're used to seeing." I, I don't. I'm still trying to figure out because I, I just—he's just so important to them, and I, I think so highly of him. And it's strange for me to see Manchester City playing well, and he's kind of been a footnote in the season.
1: I think the. The latter is the way to look at it—that they're still doing so well, and he's not really being properly involved in the way you would think their most creative player would be. Uh-huh. Now, and, and also, I, you know, there was the facial injury. There was him playing at a tournament during the summer. He's not, he hasn't been fully fit for a while, yeah. and I think that's that's a real that's a real part of it. And if City can keep ticking along like this, playing so well, that buys him more time to to be ready for the business end of the season
0: uh Watford and Chelsea JJ the other big game from earlier today it is Chelsea who win it 2-1 great performance from Mason Mount goal and an assist in this uh he was excellent I think I saw his rating was a nine out of ten um fantastic performance from him as a whole uh Chelsea taking some criticism a little bit and I would say it's friendly fire their own manager uh, Thomas Tuchel, JJ. What did he say after the match? He says we were not ready for this game. We are to blame. We never found the right attitude. We were very lucky to escape with the win.
1: Yeah, and and okay, let's let's look at the the game at the weekend. There was the draw, which wasn't it wasn't a great Chelsea performance. Although they could easily have won that game, they created the better of the chances against Manchester United. I felt Tuchel was late making substitutions in that game. I thought Werner should have been hooked much quicker, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well. And when Pulisic and Ziyech actually played together, Chelsea looked way more potent. Fast forward to this game, he changes things up. He starts with Havertz, Pulisic and Mount in the side. But the midfield is curious to me. So he starts with Alonso and Azpilicueta, obviously as your wing-backs, and your two centre mids, Saul and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Mm-hmm. I'm not dying about that midfield, I don't love it. Well,
0: Loftus-Cheek had a bad moment, lost possession, Sissoko then set up the goal uh, for
1: Watford. But it's worth noting that in this instance, it was only marginally, but uh, Watford dominated the possession, and they had more shots on target too. They had two more shots on target than, than Chelsea had.
0: I mean, Tuchel says it right there, we were lucky to escape with the win. Well, they got the win, so I guess that's, that's... It's. I mean, honestly, that it's nice when you can teach your team a lesson while also simultaneously taking three points in the process.
1: And it is worth noting that Watford have been better. They have been a tougher opponent since the Tinkerman got involved. That's, that's part of it, too. Um, but again, only saw highlights of this one. There's too much football. Can't give you the full analysis, <laughs> Chelsea. Uh,
0: this game, it, it, it should be mentioned, this game that... Um, this Watford-Chelsea game that we're talking about, it was paused for 32 minutes early on when the score was still nil-nil for a fan who suffered cardiac arrest in the stands. That fan was stabilized. The teams eventually
1: came back out and resumed the game. Um, Yeah, and a supporter had to be given emergency treatment uh, with another fan later stricken at St. Mary's. What is going on? uh, It was just an evening for it. I do feel like when I was younger watching games, this thing happened, and I was more conscious of it, and I'm just wondering if this is just a, a spate now in the last... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but troubling,
0: to say the least. No, I mean, you, when you, you're sh- watching this, it's really genuinely frightening. Yeah.
1: You, I, and because it's, it's not like... I don't think a game would be halted in the NFL if something happened in the stands, whereas in England, it's, it seems to be different. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I always I, I don't There was a man on fire at the Vikings versus Dallas at the NFC East or the NFC Championship game in 1975. It
0: was a different time the 70s. Yeah. Anything was fair game then.
1: Man on fire and the game went on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I do love that commentary. It's my favorite from Vince Scully. And if you direct your eyes to the stands and the show replay, a man went on fire. It was a to, was it a Niners game? S- no, it was Dallas Vikings. Save a prayer for uh, save a prayer for this poor soul. And then there's a pause. Second and three <laughs> at the twenty.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeesh. Uh, but yeah, Chelsea do come away two-one uh, victors. So head. There's uh, still a few couple. Big matches to be played on Thursday as well, so we're, we're kind of only halfway through this midweek set of fixtures. But the top-of-the-table matches have been played. Chelsea right now maintain their lead atop the table 33 points, Man City behind them at 32, Liverpool on 31. Uh, it's tight, and then you get your, your little drop to West Ham there, who are on 24. Uh, Arsenal uh, could pass them
1: with a win over Manchester United. Yeah, the warnings we gave about the Moisolution And Champions League have.
0: I'll tell you what. I mean. Obviously, we're not going to have a chance to speak on Arsenal this week because uh, they play after
1: we're recording this. But uh, can I can I finish your sentence quietly? They've. uh...
0: Well, look, it bears mentioning that we were fielding tweets after the third week of the season from concerned supporters talking about Arsenal being a relegation candidate, and we had to talk people off the ledge then and say, "This stop, yeah, stop." I mean, we could be entering the weekend and they'll be top four.
1: That, that is a way certainly to look at it and no better team to play to steady one's nerves after losing 4-0 to Liverpool is to play Newcastle United who are, I have a feeling there's going to be an in the club coming soon about those guys who are staring uh, down the barrel already of relegation. They are, Barry Glendenning Denning did some mathematics and they're in a worse off position than that terrible, terrible or seven oh eight Derby County yes, team, really? Yeah, at oh, this point God. in the season, he compared the two records. Oh, that is that's horrifying. That is horrifying. Well,
0: you said also, you said Arsenal have Newcastle because first they have Manchester United on Thursday. No, no, no. Arsenal had Newcastle oh, at, the, oh, right. at okay. the weekend as well. They, right, they,
1: right, right. They steadied the ship after that the Tonking Liverpool game. Right, right. Gotcha. So that was a, that was a, a, a good team to play directly after playing Liverpool. Yeah. Um, also, Newcastle. Just, I think everyone wants them to be relegated, apart from their own supporters, because of the takeover. There's that general feeling and there's that mood. It's,
0: I mean, it will be. I, I do. I don't want to pile on Newcastle supporters, but like for the rest of us, like it, it would rate pretty high on the unintentional comedy scale. Should that happen, like this group of. People with money that just goes on to infinity, bottomless, and they
1: might be relegated. Like, uh, and also, we—I don't know—we finally got rid of Mike Ashley. We finally got rid of him, and then, uh, oh,
0: it's not going to be easy. They are—they're in a dogfight, that's for sure. Uh, We mentioned Arsenal going to be taking on Manchester United on Thursday. Uh, Let's talk about United for a sec here, JJ. They uh, have named the interim after the interim. It's Ralph Ragnick. As far as interim managers go, you could you could do a lot worse than that.
1: Ralph Roneyk is a excellent appointment as a just to be involved in any element of football at Manchester United. Yeah, this is United stumbling across what uh, I think everybody realized some years, at the very minimum, half a decade ago. This is the way football has been played now. He is the one of the founding fathers of pressing of the game we know today. And um, he. what's strange to me about it is this. He's coming in as an interim and then he's going to be a consultant for two years. Mm -hmm. Now, two years seems very, very short, to a a short amount of time for him to rebuild, essentially, the club. And I'm assuming that's the role he's been given. Otherwise, this is a... I don't know what his role is. Consultancy afterwards. But what does that mean? Exactly. It's a vague business term. When you think of consultants, you think of people who were on Capitol Hill for years, right, have some insight into a portfolio, then they're voted out or they don't run for re-election again, and they get some consultancy from a large company. And it just doesn't seem to have substance. Is it that
0: he doesn't want to be a manager
1: right now? He's just taking this on? Andrew, in in the last decade, he's only really had two managerial roles. It's not... What he... His, he's just not about that life. No, his sweet spot is building clubs from behind the scenes. And he's extremely good at it. So I would have almost let, well, they can't They can't just let Carrick keep doing it, right? Because they need to be in the Champions League. That There's a financial imperative there. Yeah. Okay, fine. So get in another interim, but not Ralph Ragnick. Give him the keys to the castle. Let him be your director of football, your sporting director, whatever right. you want to call it. So this, it's still, even though it's a, a an appointment I'd be excited about, it still doesn't seem like they're getting it right, you know? And are they going to give them free rein in the club in a consultancy role? Again, define to me what that means. I need to know what that means. I mean, each individual can kind of
0: shape that into whatever they want it to be. Yeah. Or those around them will shape it for them. Uh, it is it is vague. Maybe it's intentionally vague. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, th- I maybe it
0: is. uh. I, maybe he's there as some kind of looming safety blanket you know over whoever's brought in but
1: consultancy the word suggests to me that there's someone actually in power in United, who's not him, but who might consult with. Correct.
0: Him. Well, that is how I take it.
1: But I don't like that. Let's
0: run it by Ralph. No, oh, the- he agrees. Then we'll do it. Oh,
1: he doesn't agree? Yeah, whatever. He's just a consultant. I don't, I don't like no, that. But, but we don't know. Uh, we don't know. But for the short-term appointment, it's exciting. This is a guy who... Um, Roy Smith did an interview with him in The Times, I think, a year ago. And he asked him... This is a guy who's an innovator and who has been... You know, one of the top football minds in Europe for the past 20 years plus. And, uh, you know, Roy Smith was asking him, what's the next big thing in football? You know, pressing, you know, what's next? What's after that? He says there's going to be a huge movement towards set pieces and innovation in set pieces. Maybe we'll see that with United. Maybe we'll see some of that with United. This is all music to their ears.
0: I mean, Uh, you, you came across this audio of him talking about pressing.
1: Yes, this should excite United fans, but trouble one senior centre-forward. I'm not talking about a, bit, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, maybe a little bit of that. A little bit of pressing. I mean, come on, what is a little bit of pressing? A little bit of pressing is like a little bit of pregnant. <laughs> I mean, either you are pregnant or not. Either you want to play pressing or not. But not, please, not a little bit of pressing. Oh, if I'm, if I'm Ronaldo hearing that. Go big or go home. Yeah. So he is going to have to get those creaky old 37-year-old legs pumping. And let me tell you, I know about creaky 37-year-old legs. I'm an expert. You're an expert in that category. Yep. JJ, you have,
0: over the course of well, a couple of years, really, I was going to say a couple of months, it's been years in the making, mm-hmm. you have been ultra critical. Not unfairly, not unfairly, but you have been very critical of Solskjaer, of United, their lack of an identity, their style. We now know that the interim manager has been named. But in a fantasy universe, I was so curious because you've had a lot to say, but I don't know that you've ever really directly come out and said, they're doing all of this wrong. What they should be doing is this. So in a fantasy world, I would have just loved if you had been named the interim manager so we could have sat you down in front of a microphone in a room full of reporters and found out. Yeah. And found out. So- you know what? We can create whatever universe we want. Let's, let's create our own matrix. Let's go in it. And, J.J., let's, let's now make you J.J. Devaney, the interim manager. Let's enter the room now. I'm opening the doors to the press conference. The assembled media is gathering.
1: I'm uh, wearing the Manchester United club tie and the club blazer. <laughs> he enters the room. Here he is.
0: Photographers. Everyone assemble, assemble. Have a seat, everyone. Thank you. And here he is, the interim manager, J.J. Devaney. You ready to take some questions from the Assembled
1: Press? Absolutely. Very excited. It's a it's a big day for me. It's a big day for my family. It's an unusual day to to move from podcasting to the top job yeah. in international f- club football. But I'm delighted to be here and uh, I'm happy to take your questions. It is unconventional.
0: Uh, all right, I'll go first. Andrew Gunling, The Sun. Uh, I, I don't
1: oh. I don't <laughs> answer questions from The Sun.
0: Uh Mr. Mr. Davani, coach however you'd like to be referred
1: to as gaffer you, gaffer. gaffer
0: you've uh, you've been repeatedly quoted as saying Manchester United lack an
1: identity. What would yours be? Smiling football Andrew I want to put a smile back on the faces of the players. put a smile back on the faces of the fans isn't that what football's about we, we work five days a week you know just to save up enough money to get that ticket and go watch Manchester United play and, and what I want to do is recreate that DNA. Not Alex Ferguson DNA, Sir Matt Busby's DNA. Go right back to the very start. And and hopefully I can do that with the players that I've got. Some fantastic players, really, really top, top, top professionals. And I want to, you know, for me, bring back the smiles. Hmm. That's the identity, smiles. Smiling I don't know if that was the answer I was looking for. Well, well, Uh, the identity, uh, just to be technical with you, um, Keith, was it? Is that Sure. Well, Keith, the identity is front foot, uh, play with a front three, a youthful front three, <laughs> pressing, uh, uh, two sitting midfielders who can pass the ball, move the ball. Fred and McTominay? Uh Not those ones. <laughs> New ones. Better ones. I mean,
0: these are your players, and, uh, sir.
1: And when we turn the ball over to be tight, compact, and don't allow teams to play through the lines. Uh, Andrew Gunling, the Murr, that's how they say it in England, right? The, the Murr. Um,
0: uh, I want to go deeper on something you just said. There, youthful. Uh, you've spoken at length about Cristiano Ronaldo being a detriment to this team. Is, no, no. is he part of your plans? Well, no, moving forward? I'm, I'm
1: not having that, Andrew. Okay. I'm not having that because you know detriment. That's your word. That's not a word I've used. Okay, okay? Uh, it's not. And and you know mm-hmm. it's easy for you to sit there with you. You know. And, and just type whatever you want and, and there's no comeback well I have a chance to, to answer that I will use Cristiano Ronaldo one of the greatest players in the world as much as I want uh, and that's a lot because he's a fantastic player I mean all everything he's done the Ballon d'Ors the European Cups I mean come on you, you honestly think I won't use this player in fact I will lean on Ronaldo quite heavily I'll be leaning on him because he'll be in the dugout alongside oh me he's not playing <sighs> Uh, one more, one more. Uh, Trent Crim, the Independent.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Bruno Fernandez has really hit his first rough patch since arriving at this club. Is that just part of football, or are you
1: seeing something that you
0: believe you can fix there?
1: Well, look, when when you've hit the, the standards that he's hit, you know, the past two seasons, you know, your Bruno Fernandez is, you're putting him up there with your Mo Salas, you know, those kind of players who hit the peaks all the time. You're going to have a dip every now and again. I had a dip in my career. It, it lasted most of my career. But that won't be the case with Bruno Fernandes. Uh, it's just, you know, i put, I have to find out what kind of player is, he is. Is he the one you, you put an arm around the shoulder and he responds to that? Or is he like a boot in the ass? One or the other, you know. It, it's that kind of, you know, the carrot or the stick. So I have to figure out which one of those it is. There you have it. End of press conference. Now, what that I, was illuminating, Yeah, I was, honestly. To, I was going to go full, you know, proper football man. and go, yeah, I know, it's uh, delighted to be here. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, it's a lifelong dream for me, you know. The, that's one thing. That's one of the, the patter points for, uh, for the modern players to say, for me, you know. And uh, I was going to go all that way. But I decided I'd be myself as Manchester United manager.
0: I think you took the right approach. Thank you. And I, I liked your answers, and I, I I'm curious how Manchester United fans feel about them as well. I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, JJ, uh, we've got to address what's going on with MLS. This postseason has been riveting. We have our final four, the semifinals coming up this weekend. Philadelphia is going to host is going to host a conference final. Whew. This is big.
1: Uh, everyone's going to be behind them too. Oh yeah, I think most people are going to be shouting for the Union in this in this matchup interesting yeah
0: well I know at least half of this podcast will be that is for certain well, I will too oh wow oh yeah a hundred percent of this podcast will be how about that well there you go sorry nycFC supporters doesn't mean we won't be fair and balanced when talking about it but I mean, look, I've never been shy on this, and and JJ has joined me. Apparently, wow, this is uh, this is big stuff. We got a lot to say. We're going to talk more about MLS and the postseason coming up next. Also, got to get into some of the Ballon d'Or stuff because uh, uh, I don't know. I'm curious for your thoughts on some of that. We've got a nice mailbag here where we can talk about Portugal and Italy being drawn together. We, and we talked about that as the dream scenario for the TV providers worldwide. Well, it is happening, so we'll talk about that in the mailbag. Still a lot to do here on caught offside don't go anywhere oh back now on caught offside oh jj as we were going to break i was we were talking about mls and the postseason how it's gone so far the drama of what we've seen really yeah i mean really at every turn
1: is it the best thing the league has ever done to the go one
0: up? leg oh yeah i agree i think i love it i really and and in fairness to us, I think we were in on that immediately. Yeah. I don't remember there being any dissent
1: on this podcast talking about the de- the decision to go single leg. It's it's brilliant. It, to the point where you just want the playoffs to come along sooner. <laughs> yeah, we we've, we've said that a few times.
0: Uh we're so excited to talk more about this right now with ESPN's lead soccer analyst here on the program on caught offside talking to MLS and maybe a little maybe a little US men as well, as we're kind of a, you know, just passing the midway point of World Cup qualifying. Taylor Twellman joins the program. Taylor, what's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're excited about what we've seen so far. And let's dive right in. I know it probably was not the easiest match for you as a, uh, a New England legend, but uh, NYCFC, I mean, my God, what a what a win for them. I, they played the Revs tough during the regular season. They ended the season hot. Uh, They lost to the Red Bulls, uh, what was it, mid-October, and they didn't lose again. Uh, What what clicked with them? Is there anything you saw that changed that led them to this point that they're at now?
2: Well, what's interesting is when you talk to, like, all the opposing coaches and managers within MLS going into the playoffs, I said, is there any team you don't really want to play? And consistently, uh, overwhelming, the answer was New York City. Hmm. I think in large part because they're very deep. Uh, they've got a great center-back tandem. Um, but I thought that may have changed a little bit when Keaton Parks went down with his blood clot, mm. and I felt like that may have left a hold. Like, what really changed their season, and i it's funny you guys referenced the Red Bulls game because in that game, I said, if, if Ronnie Diala can figure out whether or not to play three in the back, or four in the back, it's going to change. Because when they play four in the back, they're better going forward. But he was trying to bring in this defensive identity, playing three in the back. And so when he moved James Sands to play right back, that's what changed it. Hmm. They obviously went on that great run, get into the playoffs, get a home game. But then Keaton Parks gets his blood clot. So then you got to bring James Sands in the middle. I thought Tavon Gray was fantastic against the Revs. You know, a 19-year-old still growing into – Uh, his game and understanding what it takes at this level. I thought he was very good. I thought Maxi Morales is a special player, even at the age of where he is in his career. So I I wasn't surprised. I said it on SportsCenter. Um, It wouldn't surprise me at all if New York City goes to New England, beats them in large part because 23 days, rest versus rust. But also I think New York City is a really good team. And that's because every single manager has told me they don't really want to play them.
1: So Taylor, as a player – a long layoff like the like the revs had to endure is not good. You don't like that.
2: Well, no, because sports science will tell us that after ten or eleven days without a competitive game, you lose your game fitness. Right, and that's not even you know that's not even an opinion. So when you get to that ten to eleven days, which is oftentimes right at the end of an international break, which I think people find ironic, but these international breaks oftentimes. When you come back, the teams that have the most international players often aren't the rustiest coming back from those breaks. That's around the world. That's a trend to always watch for. Um, and so I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Uh, and I don't think Bruce Arena liked it, but some of that was their own doing. The, the Patriots had a game on Sunday. The The Revs did not want to play on Thanksgiving. They were given the option to play on Thanksgiving and the Thanksgiving game uh, – excuse me, Thanksgiving game – Because they don't own their own stadium, right? They own their Mm. own stadium, but they own own their schedule. And so that turned in from a 16-day break, 17-day break to a 23-day break. And I didn't like it from the beginning.
1: Taylor, that said, were you a little bit surprised by how... I don't know. There was such a contrast between NYCFC and I know. Look, the Revs were in it right to the end. Tejan Buchanan gets the equalizer. I understand that, but in terms of the passing movements, the the you know the way that they played, the way that they moved the ball, they seemed so far off NYCFC. Did that surprise you? Uh,
2: no. In in this is gonna here. My, actually, let me answer that question differently. What surprised me is the three best players weren't good right? Like right. Bucsar was fine, broken foot. He actually played, I think, at the level he needed to because he hadn't been training totally, but Gustavo Bol was not good at all. And Carlos Heel missed plenty of passes that mm. he traditionally didn't. And Tejan Buchanan looked lost. So it, that that stood out to me. However, the reason why I said no initially to your question is this. They play an interesting tactical system in the sense of it's going to be a diamond in the midfield. I don't want to get into the weeds, but I think this is important for the listeners to understand. It's all about allowing, and it's almost identical to when Robbie Keane Landon Donovan, David Beckham played together. And the key is you allow your playmakers, your best players to kind of freelance. And so for the revolution, that is Gustavo bow and Carlos heel. Tejan Buchanan is supposed to be in a diamond, but he's a winger, right? He's a wide player. So he's not going to be in the middle. He's going to be stuck in, in a wide area. So you're asking a lot of Tommy McNamara and, and, and um, Matt Polster. And I just don't think it's it, it worked for them. It looked very similar to the game they lost last year in Columbus. And I give credit to New York City, but it didn't surprise me that they struggled because I felt like the way New York City plays and the way they get a lot of interchange from Medina, Morales, and even Rodriguez, who I think is a fantastic young player, I just think it it, it asks a lot of questions of two in the midfield. And I just think they lost the midfield, and so it, it was pretty much New York City's to lose. And let's be honest, New York City should have probably had four or five goals. You know, yeah. they they weren't very good in the final third. Tati Castellanos absolutely blew a sitter. Oh, he should have and finished. lucky for them, he came back and scored, right? So they, they had their chances.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to talk to you about Castellanos in particular. It, it's amazing how this game will humble you. You know, like, like Books uh, scores for New England and then misses a penalty. Castellanos scores, and then the second yellow, I, I get the idea of adrenaline in a moment like that. You're not thinking, but, you know, moving aside from whether or not it was brainless or ridiculous they've got a semifinal now against the union. Can they, he's been so instrumental to their success. Can they win without him?
2: They can. Uh, I think the bigger question is, will they, they can, you know, the one thing I like about this. And I said this uh, in that October game against the rebels that you guys referenced earlier. Again, I, I, I like this roster. I think it's got a tremendous amount of potential. Some of it is unproven. Some of it's young, but you're talking about some real options that can come off the bench. Now, the biggest question will be whether or not Bear can give you 65, 70 minutes, right? So the international break that just came out, or just got done with, excuse me, Bear got a lot of fitness in. He's looking a little sharper. Well, we're going to get that answer on Sunday, aren't we? Whether yeah. or not he's at all an option up front. He's fantastic before the ACL, but we've seen with Joseph Martinez and other players, it takes you a while to re- regain that form. Um, I, I just, first off, Tati, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? You're 75 yards from goal. You're on a yellow. The last thing you want to do is put yourself in any kind of position that you could get the second yellow, really a bonehead decision there. But the answer you asked me can they, they, they that answer is yes the bigger question is will they I I don't know
0: Well let's talk now about their opponent I mean the union I, I don't know 3 4 months ago this this did not feel possible they are now hosting the Eastern Conference final I mean Jim Curtin has done some fine work there over the years for that club but you know with their personnel changes uh, navigating a, a deep CONCACAF Champions League run. They struggled, like I said, for a good portion of the regular season. I, has this this kind of resurgence from them over the past few months leading up to this, has this been some of his best work yet?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're also seeing why FC Cincinnati are trying to get him out of his contract. I mean, this is just what Jim Curtin does, and he does it with very few resources. I mean, look at how little Philadelphia spends – And he's just maximizing everything. He's literally getting as much squeeze of those lemons as he can. And so to your point about CONCACAF Champions League, historically, we've seen that in this league. That's been a real detriment to any of the franchises playing in that. And yet he somehow managed to survive it. Now, some of that is the fact that Nashville didn't really take advantage of Philly Swoon and New York City fell on their faces. Quite honestly, I had... New York City, right at the probably end of August, I had them making a run at the number one seat because of how well they were playing. And then they, what, go winless in six or seven, whatever the number is. So uh, this is Jim Curtin's arguably his best job. But yet there's a massive, massive uh, monkey on the shoulders of that Philadelphia Union team. And I can give you 10 games right now, big games, Open Cup Finals, playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals, whatever it may be. They have a tendency because of that lack of real quality pedigree player there, they struggle. Mm-hmm. They fall flat. And so that's going to be the most interesting storyline for me is whether or not Sunday this is the Philadelphia Union that is atypical of a Philadelphia Union team under Jim Curtin in finals and in big must win games, because the teams that he has had last year, supporter shield winners. How many Open Cup finals they haven't delivered? It's going to be interesting whether or not they can deliver with the pressure of the home of the home crowd.
1: Uh, Taylor, I had my booster shot on Saturday evening, and so on Sunday I was in pretty bad form. I was I was struggling, so I was watching the Philadelphia Union. So you had
2: us you had us on mute or what?
1: <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. In fact, it was the uh I think I was asleep for most of the day and woke up for the Union and Nashville, which probably in terms of choices wasn't the best choice to make. But um, I didn't know if it was me feeling bad or if it was actually that bad of a game between uh, the Union and Nashville. But would it concern you that the Union were they were that flat and they had to get through on penalties? Is there something that's saying to you, maybe, maybe they've peaked or maybe they're on the downturn here or that there's a worry going into... Uh, play NYCFC who seem to be in better form.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's any question New York City's in better form. Um, but when you win games ugly, albeit in penalties or the way they beat the Red Bulls, it still gives you confidence. I think the first 15-20 minutes on Sunday is going to have a huge say in what kind of Philadelphia Union game you get. Mm. Um, I, I think that's been primarily the biggest talking point of the playoffs. I don't think the games have been good. You know, I think there's been some real ugly contests, and that's part of having the one-legged games. That you know, you it's it, teams have been a little bit more pragmatic. You know, the two years have, ago but- before the pandemic, you had we did LAFC versus the Galaxy. Then you did LAFC Seattle. Then you had. You just had some better games. Mm. You know these games haven't been that exciting. Yeah, well, you've had multiple games go to penalties. Yeah, they've been very but that dramatic. Mean the games exciting.
0: They've been dramatic, but you're right. I don't know if the, if quality wise, from you know minute one to minute ninety, they've been played at the highest of levels. But they've they've delivered in terms of drama.
1: So so you you think they're they're tensing up that players knowing that you know oh my god absolutely if things go wrong this is done and so it tightens you up
2: absolutely. Uh, you, you see it all around the world, right? No matter if it's, you know, World Cup games, Euro games, you know, it, the group stages of those tournaments are always a little bit more exciting because you know there's, you know, a little bit of a tomorrow. There isn't when you get to the one-off games. And so you've kind of seen teams tighten up. I mean, I, I I am still stunned. And everyone says this Seattle, I'm stunned at how flat Sporting Kansas City was. That was the – more remarkable performance cuz you already knew the warning was there because we also like beat Seattle. You're at home, you know you literally will host MLS Cup if you went out and to have that kind of flat performance. That's one of the that's the performance in this tournament that I still can't wrap my head around. And I think we could probably do an entire podcast on some of the games that just have been flat.
1: Yeah, I so can, so can I talk to you about RSL and Sporting Kansas City? So so, Real Salt Lake, they get past Seattle without, you know, a shot on target. We all saw the XG. We all had a laugh. But they they endured and they got through on penalties. And you think, end of the road is coming against Peter Vermeer's team. You think, this is it. They're not going to get through this. And they actually play better and get through it. And it's Sporting KC that are flat. So, I suppose this is a two-parter. Are RSL good? <laughs> Have we been underrating them you know by the fact they just snuck in the back door to get into the playoffs did sporting kc just have a bad day i mean i mean what happened
2: real good one i mean i think i think it's more i think it's more real so like playing with knowing that no i mean when you're playing with house money it's a lot easier Mm. (laughs) it's a lot easier than knowing oh wait we're at home we got a gift Sporting Kansas City, the entire time when the playoffs came out, they're like, oh, yeah, we've got to go to Seattle. And then all of a sudden you flip the, there. There's pressure there. You flip the mindset. You've got to think, okay, wait a minute. If we went out, we're hosting MLS Cup. You just I, – I think a lot of it was RSL was very good and different than they were against Seattle, and Sporting Kansas City was equally as different and bad right. than what we had seen. And so I think the culmination of both turned into the game that you had – and in, in saying that, it was still 73 minutes until RSL scored a goal. But I think all three of us would agree RSL was the better team that day. Mm, they definitely were. Uh,
0: in, in looking at their opponent uh, coming up in the semifinal, Portland, I don't want to be negative here. I'm sure it, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. Portland are a good side, certainly. Uh, but Darren Espria, his red card I believe I saw was upheld, so he'll be out. Uh maybe you've seen, I, I have not seen, but I'm assuming Sebastian Blanco is not going to be able to play after the way he left in tears in their last game. I mean, how vulnerable are they to Real Salt Lake in this?
2: Well, it's a, it, it's a good one because Blanco is your game changer there. Diego Valeri is no longer the, the the Diego Valeri that we know, right? So, you know, Nia uh Mora, you got – Jimmy Chara, you know, you still have some good guys, good, good players. RSL have played Portland three times this year, guys. They RSL gave up 12 goals in those three games. Yeah. Well, so, you know, Pablo's reverting back to the, listen, we've got to play the exact same way we did in Seattle and even to a certain extent sporting Kansas City, but here's the wrinkle. No one wants to talk about it because he's easily their best player, but, Rusnak takes a little bit away from you saying we can defend first. You're not going to want to defend because it takes him away from it. He gives you way more quality on the ball. I'm not arguing that. But what's worked for RSL is the defensive mentality of all 10 field players in front of Ochoa defending for their lives and being committed Rusnak isn't that kind of guy, and you don't want to use him in that role because then you diminish what he does otherwise. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Pablo kind of adjusts to Rusnak coming back in. Where is his fitness level? Does he even play him? You know, I know that sounds crazy, but maybe he's your super sub because the way the last two games have gone, maybe you save him to chase a game or or to see how the game unfolds, plus who knows where he is fitness-wise coming out of COVID. It's going to be very interesting. I think Portland's got their hands full, but I actually think Timbers Army, that environment, the experience of Giovanni Savarese in 2018 with the still a good amount of these players, I still think they have enough quality to overcome RSL and Bruce not returning.
0: Taylor Twelman here on Caught Offside been super generous with your time, Taylor. Before we let you go, I, I want to get a quick one in on the U.S. men as we're kind of past the halfway point of qualifying. I mean, you know this. You're on Twitter. U.S. soccer, is it's a manic experience following this team. There's there's the win against Mexico followed up by deflating performance against Jamaica. There's the first half against Honduras versus the second half against Honduras. It's a wild ride with this U.S. group, help us here, take the temperature. How should we be feeling about this team so far?
2: Man, dude, that's such a good one because there's still four teams capable of qualifying, right? I mean, I'm not trying to take away from the other ones, but when you look at the point discrepancy, it's really a four-horse race. And yet that fourth horse has to now play one-off cup games Mm. in Qatar if they make the playoff. So while you feel very good um, in the blink of an eye, you could have two injuries and then you're up against it. So uh, until the job is done, I don't, I have never been comfortable with it. I think a lot of us are scarred because of 2018 and how that went. And so it's going to be very interesting how they handle it. They've cannot let points slip at home because the last three games of that cycle are a nightmare at Costa Rica, at Mexico And then if I'm not mistaken, Panama at home, that is that those you do not want to have to get results out of those three games, particularly the two away. So you got to make sure those first couple games of the next round, you've got to take care of business. I find the decisions a little mind boggling that you want to play in cold weather, that cold against opponents that you should feel comfortable with playing anywhere. Boy, they've gone, they've gone,
0: they've gone all in on that. Oof.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if you need to. Why do you need to put Polisic, McKenney, Reyna, and, and, and company in cold weather because yeah. you just don't want to take an hour and a half flight? Like, I, I think they overthought that. I, th- it, I don't think you would, you should not have any problem playing El Salvador and Orlando. You should not have any problem playing Honduras in Houston or San Diego or Phoenix. Like, they, it shouldn't be a discussion for teams like that. And yet, here we are. You're going to play in Columbus and you're going to play in Minnesota. So if that weather's drastic, guys, that that becomes that an even playing field then, and you didn't need it to be.
1: The qualifier against Mexico uh, in Cincinnati, that to me, Taylor, seemed like the defining performance of the Greg Bearhalter era in terms of, well, we don't know if it's the defining performance yet. I'm jumping ahead. But it seemed like the closest to what he laid out in that first press conference. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, you're 100% right. It is the defining performance up to this point, and you, and us three are talking on December 1st. There's not a better game. I could care less what anyone tells me about the previous two trophies. Yeah. Uh, I've been in those games. I've won those. It's the World Cup qualifier. that That is by which you're judged by, um, and they played a second half. And a lot of people on Twitter were saying it wasn't that bad the first half. Truth is, you two know this, if Zach Steffen doesn't make two saves, one really good one, You're going into halftime down a goal at home. It's not as if you had a ton of chances in the first half. Mm. So that second half was spectacular. It was money. It's exactly what Greg has wanted and turned into. But I'm not sure that's the performance he laid out the first press conference. And the only reason why is he laid out something like they were gonna play like Barcelona. Yeah. No, I, I think he's learned a little bit of what works for this team. Right. Um, right. but I, I'm you're not getting you're not gonna get an argument from me. That is easily the best performance under Beralta by far.
0: Taylor Twelman, good stuff, man. What will you uh where will you be for MLS conference finals? Which which match I got, will you have?
2: Um Philadelphia, New York City, and then we got MLS
0: Cup. Nice. Well, we will certainly be watching. Great stuff. Appreciate the time. Taylor Twelman, thanks so much, man. No problem, boys. Taylor Twelman, we'll be watching.
1: We will indeed. I, you got to wonder about that decision. You know,
0: you're talking, what, playing in the winter venues for the U.S. men? I mean, there's winter and then there's winter. They are, I don't know if it, I don't know what the word is exactly, if they're just hypersensitive to ensuring the right environment but i don't know that that's it i I mean mean, at least and look and by the way to our minnesota listeners this is not we're not talking about you like that that fan base will they will show out i guarantee the atmosphere will be spectacular from a from a crowd perspective i think they'll they will do their job we're just simply talking about the weather like are you you know the weather can be a great equalizer and we believe that this US team even though there's there's patches they go through where they don't show it we think it's a really talented group of players are they leaving themselves open to the possibility of the weather becoming a great equalizer against them
1: i think they are i think you know it's you're just this, it's not like every single one of them grew up in minnesota in these conditions and it'll be like a homecoming for them for them. They haven't played most of them probably haven't played in something as cold as it could potentially be there. By the way, going to the the Canada (laughs) selection of Edmonton and that and that World Cup qualifier, I mean, that field was a disgrace. Even if there was no frost and snow on <laughs> I it, I mean, there was there was snow on it. It was
0: even if it was a, the most glorious patch of grass you've ever seen, it would have been a disgrace. It most wa- likely.
1: I, but I mean, even the surface itself. You know, FIFA makes this song and dance. We got to play on grass at the World Cup, which you have to. Mm-hmm. But in qualifying, <laughs> anything goes. You can take them to a uh, CFL ground and just just tear it up. I was in Minnesota in February of two
0: thousand eighteen. Oh yeah, I, I don't even have the words for how cold. It felt there. I mean, it was. I'm trying to remember exactly. Like the regular temperature, I think was like minus five, ten. Then you threw in like the real feel, the wind chill factor. We're Ooh. talking like minus twenty five. It wow. was. You took. We were in the Mall of America. You took one step outside at night, and it's just like I've never felt this before. I went to college in Syracuse. Which, never felt this
1: before. Which is, I mean, the tundra.
0: <sighs> Something. Uh, one note on the the union because Taylor was talking about. Um, you know, this they're getting by, but like do they have those players that you can rely on as we go deeper into this tournament? You kind of need your like we've talked about all throughout, you kind of need your best players to be your best players. Um, you know, it's funny, Sergio Santos, he came on as a sub for Philadelphia, and I was in my my group text, we were talking with some of my other buddies who are from Philly, who are big union fans, Chaffe and Doug and all them. and we were saying about Santos, he's either. Like, he's either the best terrible player in MLS or he's the worst really good player in MLS. Like, he is so confounding, so maddening. He does all these things to be involved. Like, he came on as a sub and he probably had, he might have had more touches than anyone in the game. Like, he's immediately. He wants the ball. He's involved in everything. But then he does, like, five or six things where you're
1: like, wah, what yeah. are you doing? And he misses a sitter. He misses sitters. Yeah. But
0: but he's so involved. Like, he's – it's – the Sergio Santos experience is – it's something.
1: It's Ca- really something. Brought to you by Cameron Jerome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, should be fun. Should be fun. The, uh, the semifinals coming up. Um, JJ, before we get to the mailbag, a couple things I wanted to mention. First one um, – the uh, the Ballon d'Or was announced, yeah. And for the seventh time, it's Lionel Messi. Um, I-, I saw a lot of outrage over this on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if it's outrage over like just this award being a thing. Like people just like don't like comparing players. If that's what it is, I think people need to kind of get over that. It's sort of like for a lot of us, it's kind of fun. To do this, like I don't think there's anything weird about announcing an MVP of European football. Like that's not a strange thing for me.
1: Um, no, it's not that they do it. It's that it's the same guy again,
2: so,
0: or
1: one of the two possibilities. So
0: that's what I wanted to talk about. So okay, if that is in fact the reason, now here, I'll, let me. I'll lay it out for you. How uh, I are do. you
1: going to just list all Messi's done? No, and, okay, no. Should we explain Kinda. how this works? Well, you can do that if you want, but I'll just
0: I'll just lay out for you how I feel on that. Now, look, if I were a voter for the Ballon d'Or, Lionel Messi wouldn't have gotten my vote. It would have been Robert Lewandowski. Um, simply because, like, you can call me a soccer simpleton. I'll take that, and and maybe that's true, the way I see the game. Um, but, like, for me, in soccer... For me. This is very simple, simplistic way of viewing it. But, like, I believe that scoring a goal is the hardest thing that you can do in this sport. Okay. And...
1: The most important, too.
0: And the most important and the hardest. And so to see someone do it with such ease, like not just ease, but historical ease, like ease with which we haven't seen before. He set the record for most goals in a Bundesliga season uh, during the window of voting. Because uh, I've seen different statistics and figures for what he did this year. But I believe during the, the window of which voting was... was taking into account i think it was 54 goals in 45 games most goals of anyone in europe most goals ever in a bundesliga season so for me like if my belief is the hardest thing you can do in this sport is score and i see a guy who's doing it like that gets my vote okay it's simple now here's where i come in on the other with the other side of this the people who are particularly mad because messi won and and are expressing outrage over it I think that's too far the other way. Like, yeah, I would have voted for Lewandowski. But to say that this award is now meaningless or that you're done with this because Messi won, like, now now you're going crazy in the other direction. He was not a bum this year. No. He was outrageous. He was spectacular. Again, within the window of, of voting, I believe it was 40 goals and 16 assists in 49 games, 118 chances created outrageous 26 big chances created named man of the match 27 times more than anyone uh top score in La Liga top score in Copa America golden ball winner at Copa America like if you think the wrong guy won as I did fine that's reasonable but to think that this award can no longer be taken seriously because Lionel Messi won it this year instead of Lewandowski or there were some people saying Benzema um like now you have lost your grip on reality again disagree but you can't tell me that Messi winning means that this award is trash now.
1: Uh, I think the award, the anger about this awarding to Messi for me is that, like, you know, mix it up a bit.
0: But that's this not is a team, the point.
1: This is a team sport, right? And there's lots of different components that go into it. It's also a sport that's played, you know, across Europe, different leagues. And... Your Ballon d'Or has been the, you know, the big award for, I don't know, 50 60 years now or something like that. Just mix it up. Just give it to someone else.
0: See, it's funny you say that because that's kind of a thing.
1: Like that's... Lewandowski broke Gerd Müller's records. Yeah.
0: No, just acknowledge that. I would have had my vote and I think it's as we said last year, but
1: why not give it to him in 2020? Is well?
0: travesty that he didn't get in 2020, and I applaud Lionel Messi for mentioning that in his
1: speech. I I just think if you want to keep your award relevant and interesting, it's no harm to 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 mix it up.
0: But I think that's a dangerous a te- way of voting. You, but you you can. I'm bored with this. Well, the way Let it, me give it to someone else now.
1: Well, look, it's it, it's voted for by journalists it's put together by france football they create the shortlist it's within those parameters so that narrows it straight away you know i i'm i think i think i was done with it a long time ago i was done with it when fifa had uh uefa had some kind of role in it now it's gone back to the magazine mm-hmm. but um look it's in it in everyone's going to have their opinions on it uh the outrage was a bit much i mean messi's a brilliant player
0: i saw some people that are just like they're done with it. But like, it's garbage. I, generally- But this one doesn't count. I, like, didn't,
1: I didn't even know it was happening until I saw it on Twitter. I know, I saw your tweet. But One of your- Ballon Boar. Ballon
0: Boar. When JJ, when you, everybody out there, because I do this through text message, mm. but the animals that are listening, our Twitter followers, when you see the caught off side account, have a tweet like that that comes from JJ mm, Ballon, more like Ballon Bore. I want you guys <laughs> to respond with the best gifs off of that tweet of Ugh. like smug. Like, what's the face? Find the gif of the face JJ is making when he says, mm, "More like Ballon Bore." But but like I I and f- then tweet those to the account.
1: But I have got bored even with like the PFA award a little bit, you know. Um, well there's too many awards
0: <laughs> and I don't know what which one I'm supposed like for me well, generally the B- B- Balon- PFA is obvious I know but I'm saying like which which one should I care the most about for me generally speaking Ballon d'Or is kind of the one that I pay the most attention what to What the,
1: what the hell is FIFPro? <laughs> don't even know what <laughs> too, any of that is. There's too many too many of these Yeah is. and and I don't I just don't care about them. I really don't. Ballon, more like Ballon d'Or <laughs> am I right?
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see, JJ, before we get to the mailbag, I know you've been all in on All or Nothing. I feel terrible. I'm If if there's ever been a moment of me showing my bias, it's how obsessed I was with the All or Nothing Tottenham and how I haven't watched All <laughs> or Nothing Juventus yet. You are a total
1: Anglophile um, when it comes to these issues. I, I'm
0: definitely going to watch. I just haven't had the chance to. But Magi- I swear I will. I know you've watched, what, like five of
1: them? Five so far. Yeah. Anything uh, to report? So... Um I think the standout star has either been Enrico Chiesa or our very own sorry, excuse me, Federico in Chiesa. Yeah, I yeah. always mix him up with his father. Okay. Um and our own Weston McKennie. You knew he would he would love now, this. No, I think Weston McKennie and again I have to be careful because I'm tri- I'm tiptoeing around spoilers. I know everyone hasn't seen it, but I think McKennie is very aware of the camera. And I think in the the clip that went viral over the ranch and the pizza, which by the way is... Perfectly normal. I've been known to dip crust in no uh, ranch problem. dressing. No problem. I wouldn't order a pizza smothered in it, but I would dip. I would definitely dip.
0: But I could see why an American saying that to an Italian, I could see why the Italian would be like... Well, first
1: of all, the Italian didn't know what ranch was. <laughs> okay? And he just said, we just use olive oil. And he's quite correct. You can yeah. put olive oil on, good olive oil on anything, and a little bit of pepper and salt, and you're perfect. Um, yeah, so, but what was interesting to me was not that clip. It was the way he was talking about the brownie, and he was making all noises and face. He is a guy who's conscious of the camera and who's watching him. Which I mean, a lot of guys of his age are. I, you know, there is a vanity to being to that kind of being youthful, a youthful athlete. But what was interesting to me, which was the real moment, and I I wanted someone to run the curb your enthusiasm uh, music over it, was when he actually goes for his physical to get weighed, and he's. Uh, He he has a body fat percentage of 18%. (laughs) Is that not good? Uh, Not really. What do you think mine is? You? Yeah. Uh, Body fat percentage.
0: I would say probably... I'll be honest now. I mean, if Weston McKinney is 18, I'll say you're like 17, 16, 20? I don't know. Whoa! Well, I'm not thinner than Weston
1: McKinney, a central midfielder for Juventus. So 24? 21. Okay. So I, I thought immediately, geez, Weston, you should be you should be much lower than that. You know? And then I stumbled across... A, I mean, some soccer players are what, like three? No, four? They're, no, no. <laughs> uh, Roy Keane got to...
0: He's not who I would think of. When, he got to five... Well, he's the one w- who... What is Cristiano Ronaldo?
1: Oh, I mean... He would be like, to me, he, he's got to be below five. I wonder. I, I, yeah, he'd be in and around that. Roy Keane said it made him sick. He said uh, he got into all this stuff. By the way, he went to Milan when, at the end of his career. He was obsessed with his fitness. Mm-hmm. And he went to this health farm that Ryan Giggs and some of the other players <laughs> had suggested. And they told him, you don't eat for four days. And Keane goes, oh, I'm sure they'll give you something in the evening. <laughs> He didn't eat for four days. Oh my god! He kept getting dead legs. He was cold all the time. Yeah, and he said it was because he let himself get below a certain protection amount. You know, fat is important, as it a protector to vital organs? You know, I swear by it. <laughs> you do. You have you have fatty deposits that <laughs> just have just reared their head. But yeah, so that was that was int- that was kind of interesting. The um, I hope I didn't give it away. Yeah, I kind of no, have. Oh come on! All right. Um, what fine. else? Uh, Pirlo. The obsession that he had, not that he had, but that the club had, of convincing the media that he was a good selection. There was a lot of negativity because he'd never coached anyone before.
0: Yeah, some of it on this show.
1: Yeah, and we turned out to be right. Uh, And Juventus were obsessed, or to me, I got the feeling they were obsessed with reshaping that narrative. So when we talk about Man United reshaping narratives, all clubs are trying to do it. Um, What else was there? Oh, uh, Ronaldo... One of the tensest moments so far, five episodes in, is Ronaldo and the Christmas video. I felt I this is the first time I felt bad for football a football social media crew. So they've recorded you, you've seen football clubs like Celtic and Juventus, they do a Christmas video featuring their players yeah. wearing Christmas sweaters, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So they do one, all it. a very festive one. So they do one and they don't know if Ronaldo's gonna show up. And It's clearly not nailed down because the head of social media goes, you know, if Ronaldo comes on, metrics-wise, this will push us through the roof. But if he doesn't, it's just another video. Mm -hmm. The guy doesn't, like, he doesn't let them know and they're all nervous and they're running around like scared little animals and I feel so bad for them, like frightened little mice. (laughs) And then they get a text, oh, he's he's 10 minutes out, he is coming. And Ronaldo comes in with like a scowl on. Like he's just the face you have when you've just been waking up from a glorious nap to do something you don't want to. Yeah, we've all been. there. He comes in, he complains there's no mirror, right? And they're 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 already set up to put the jumper on him as quick as possibly. They've got ten minutes to get this. Now Ronaldo sits down. What a pro! Nails it. Nails the whole thing. His cues, what he's supposed to do, his like the whole body movements, everything. No, look, it's not. It's not a a film by you know some French art house director. It's not it, you know it's it's not Spielberg, but he still has to get it right. Nails it, nails it, and then he goes and there's this like when he goes there's this sigh of relief, the tension is lifted that they've gotten to do this, mm-hmm. and the social media guy goes, who's had to deal with Ronaldo before for UVA goes, I've been working with him for three years now, and I, he still makes me sweat with nerves. Really. Which is, I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, Interesting. All and right. the final thing. Oh. It doesn't end well. We know the, how the story goes. It doesn't end well for Pirlo or the season for Juve. But it's a reminder that pretty much in around or after Christmas, things were going okay. Mm-hmm. They were in touch in the league, um, in, qualified top out of their group in the Champions League. It wasn't all bad, but when it took a nosedive, it went down quickly. Yeah, Interesting. All yep. right.
0: I can't wait to watch.
1: As far as these things go, I'm enjoying it.
0: All right. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, let's close on a
1: mailbag. Okay. Let's do a mail BZ. CaughtOffSidePod at gmail.com. That is the email. At CO, at CO soccer pod. That's the Twitter. There are people who listen and don't follow us. What are you doing? You see the Spotify lists have come out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's that time of year.
1: Yeah, we're up there. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. I've seen some. That's great. It's nice. So, but like, I am the type of person who, when I see them tweeted and we're not there, I can't. <laughs> I have a hard time with that. I'm, what are you doing? Like, what are these other podcasts? Where's like? So for me, I, I almost don't even enjoy it seeing.
1: When it. we're jammed in between like Labattard and and. Guardian Football Weekly I do like that though it's pretty cool and uh, caught offside ESPN on Instagram uh, a correction from last week's podcast uh, Amanita Diallo was released without charges as the Kira Hamarai attack probe continued so we n- neglected to mention that part so Diallo was released without charges now a lot of people have been in contact to say but you've got to tell the rest of the story friends. The rest of the story is still rumour and conjecture and it's floating around the internet. It's rather salacious and we can't comment on it because there's no, there's no facts to it. Nothing's been proven. All we know is Diallo was released without charge. The investigation is going in a different direction we believe. Hmm. Uh, people want our thoughts on the UEFA World Cup playoff draw. Andrew? It's riveting. It is amazing. So Path A has thrown up uh, Wales versus Austria and Scotland versus the Ukraine, the winners of which will play each other in a final. That could be a Celtic Nations final, a Wales-Scotland final. The drama of that is unbelievable. Can you imagine? a uh, Path B is very intriguing too. It's got Poland and Russia playing... For one of the spots, and then Sweden and the Czech Republic.
0: I would say that group more than maybe any of them, the Italy Portugal group included. Path B is the group where I feel like throw four names up. Can't call it. I don't any one of the four to me. I mean, look, maybe I would have Czech Republic bottom, but like only marginally. (sighs) I don't know about that. that. That any
1: of the four could come out of there. That one is fast. It could be a Czech-Poland final. It could be a Sweden-Russia final. You don't know. Yeah. And Pat C is the Good one which... Good Lord. People have got their uh, collective panties <laughs> in a twist. I love the direction that people
0: have gone with this. And by love, let's I let, mean hate.
1: I hate too. Let's talk about that in a second, though. Uh, let's lay it out. First of all, it's the Portuguese taking on Turkey and Italy taking on North Macedonia. So, one of these proud nations is not going to make it. It's honestly unfathomable to me that this World
0: Cup is going to happen without either the reigning European champions. And by the way, like reigning European champions as in like just did it a second ago. Right. And a Portugal team that I don't even know what to say about the level of talent on this team. Like I said last week or 2 weeks ago whenever we talked about it, if they don't qualify for me since the World Cup went to a 32 team for format me, it's the best team in history not to qualify from a talent perspective. I can't even believe it's possible, just like I can't believe it's possible that Italy wouldn't. It sets up for incredible television, almost suspicious in it, in its happening. Uh, <laughs> but whatever. It's amazing that one of them is not going to be there. What, amazing.
1: What it isn't is a travesty and wrong, and UEFA should have more qualifying spaces. Correct. Agreed. Which is what... So many people made the argument for it.
0: I did not expect this to go down the path of, like, okay, either Portugal and Italy, one of them won't be in the World Cup. Cock a calf's an embarrassment. Wait, wait, what? I didn't, like, count me as someone that didn't see that coming as the angle that was going to be taken here. Not, like, the angle has not been, let's rip Portugal. For having a group of Serbia, Ireland, no offense, Luxembourg, and Azerbaijan, and putting themselves in this position, no, 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 let's spare them our abuse. Caf is an embarrassment. Stop! Like this is how sports work. It, this stuff doesn't happen on paper. You got to play your matches and earn your way in. And by the way, UEFA occupies what forty percent of the yes. World Cup. Yes. Stop. This is I, I I never saw this coming, and like you know, Italy too. Like. A draw with Bulgaria, a draw with Northern Ireland, not to mention two draws with Switzerland. Switzerland's good, but like beat them
1: once, you're the reigning European champions. But this is the entertainment of sport. It's the meritocracy of sport. The chance is that a big team can go down. What? That's the way it should be. I don't. I do not understand it. By the way, World Cup '94, no Portugal, no England. Did did everyone? Oh, the tournament is diminished. Would you like to have those teams there? Yeah, they didn't make it. That's how it works. I hope these
0: people aren't the same people that are complaining about the expansion of the World Cup. You yeah. can't have it both ways. No, you certainly can't. I just didn't. Maybe I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. And I was even surprised. Like, look, I guess CONCACAF, fine, whatever. Like, you want to rip on it? It's an easy target, sure. CONMEBOL was dragged into the conversation as like an embarrassment. You know Uruguay's terrible right now. It's a joke that. Th- what are we doing? All right, then just then just watch the Euros. That's all you want. Then just concentrate on the Euros and the World Cup can be a joke to you. So while we're all off celebrating the World Cup, don't watch it. And I didn't see it coming. Did not see it coming.
1: Can I just say something? Your yeah. commentary on this is fire. <laughs> Brandon Faust, Andrew. Brandon Faust. We found him. We found him. By the way, Faust. Faustian pact. You know, Dr. Faust. You know the the morality play about making a deal with the devil. What's going on? You've never heard of Dr. Faustus. I'm not really bright or cultured. I'm sorry. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to leave that there. Okay. Uh, hi, JJ and Andrew and animals. I am the... My, ence- my ancestor is from Leeds, dude. A.K.A. might as well call me the Gordon Strachan of supporters. Gordon Strachan switched from Manchester United to Leeds. My good friend Blair emailed you in the past year or so. Well, because I'm a role model to him and I think my switch to Leeds hurt his feelings. This was the guy that we talked about we were trying to track down. Yes. We are still good mates, but this decision I've made has caused him pain. I'm right here and in recent years made the switch to supporting Leeds. I called
0: it. I told you he did not want to be a Manchester United fan
1: anymore. It was clear where this was going. All right, so he kind of goes into his bona fides. Uh, as an American, I support my local side, Indy 11, in the USL Championship. I've watched the Premier nice. League voraciously since about 2003. Would order matches only available on pay-per-view. Man United was often the team available to watch, so in my na- naivete, I supported them. To be honest, it wasn't easy to walk away from supporting United since I had been to preseason matches versus Liverpool, Real Madrid. But... I, and here's the explanation. I always vow to myself, if I ever found out any sort of ties back to England, that I jump on that. And this grandfather is the only English gre- relative we have. We are Irish, and he moved to Leeds, and then his son moved to America. Because, well, the Premier League is the best league in the world. When I find out that this was true, and discovered my maternal great-great-grandfather lived and was buried in Leeds, pretty close to Elland Road... And then this was confirmed. It was like, okay, I know what I have to do here. So I dove headlong into supporting Leeds during their push to win the AFL championship. I've watched, oh, so that's in the last few years then. I've watched every documentary, read most of the books on Leeds United history, listened to the last four years of the Square Ball podcast. And now each of my three kids support Leeds, including my one month old son, whom we named Liam, in part as a family name, but also after Liam Cooper, captain of Leeds. Now he goes down a bad road here. So I like my story better than the bandwagoning Man City fans that like the team because they wear cool blue jerseys. or Spurs fans because well I don't know why Americans love the Spurs so much. Blah 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 blah. Or Liverpool bandwagoners because blah blah blah. I can't go Skim on. Skim that. that part. Skim that part because that is a bit. That's not that nice.
0: But uh, yes By the way, it's kind of what he was when he was supporting Manchester United. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Whatever. Wouldn't it Look, be? I get it. He's he's found family ties to a particular club, and to him, that supersedes whatever loyalty he felt to Manchester United. Uh, to me, that means I don't think he was ever really all in on United, but he loved the Premier League and wanted a club, so he, they were on TV a lot, so he went with them.
1: Yeah, and, and he seems to have thrown himself into the Leeds United supporting. Definitely, I don't. You know, everyone to, is from somewhere else in this country, so I don't like to you know judge people because of. No, far be it from you. No, I don't like to, you know, fan-shaming them because they supported something another way. You know, if, if, usually if a supporter switches halfway through, then it's, it's not a good thing. But this kind of feels like there's a reason behind it. Okay. What I think would be hilarious is if he discovers that his grandfather was a massive Massive Huddersfield Town supporter, oh. and he just lived in Leeds. That would, be, <laughs> that would be that would be that would be perfect. But I it, don't
0: know who the relative would have to be for me to like. I don't. I don't know if it's any. If you, it's possible that I could support another club that isn't Tottenham.
1: Like I, I do. Ah, uh, you're very deep. No, you're too far gone. Uh, I don't think uh, Brandon. I actually wonder. And I. I don't mean to be. He says, in my naivety, I supported them. And he went to a few preseason games. I'm not sure he was that all in on it. I think that was the team he saw the most. Like, if my
0: dad one day came to me and was like, you know, I've never told you this, I've been waiting for the right moment, but I actually managed Sheffield United. And I I think it's time for me to let you know that. <laughs> what a secret to keep in the, in the closet. Ooh. I'd say, wow, that's fascinating. Like... Okay, bye. Like, what what do you you expect me to suddenly like rip off my Tottenham kit and like throw on, go full kit W for Sheffield United? It's not gonna happen. Like, I'm in too deep and I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't, I don't get it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But 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 his reason, like, for him, this means something. So I'm not gonna tell him he's wrong. I just, I couldn't do it. But that doesn't mean, I'm not trying to criticize anybody. I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't want to do it. I love the club that I support.
1: Brandon, I am your great great grandfather. I f- hate leads. Hate them. What are
0: you doing you? B-? <laughs> oh, you This is not okay. This means something to him and you have taken it and done a horrible thing.
1: Sorry, sorry. Okay. Uh, finally, rule breakers. Shane Lewis, love the pod. Thank you, sir. In light or maybe in spite of Xavi's rules at Barcelona, any chance you can go over some current or ex-player's behaviors that would be nothing short of eye-opening now? half halftime or post-game smoke? That was so common, uh, Shane.
0: The only one I could think of is that I, I don't think, I don't care how great he was, I don't think George Best could play for Xavi. No. He couldn't do it.
1: I don't think Diego Maradona could have played for Xavi. Yeah to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Mario Balotelli throwing darts at you team, team members all come to mind. I could go through a million stories of things that, like, for example, I was listening to a podcast the other day about John Sheridan, former Irish international Leeds United player who broke his leg and then got bored with the cast. And instead of going to the appointment to have the cast taken off, sawed it off himself.
0: <laughs> Why?
1: Because he just wanted to. <laughs> he, he, he <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. He was done with it. That's a professional footballer doing those yeah. things. Times have changed. That, yeah, there's so many of them. Um, but even the 48-hour rule about drinking. Like, imagine when, when Alex Ferguson took over, his big thing was to impose a 48-hour ban on drinking. There isn't a football club in the Premier League right now where you need to do that, right? It is absolutely accepted. You don't drink most clubs. You don't drink in season. Like look at Bielsa uh, when you watch uh, Take Me Home, Leeds United, and uh, Luke Ayling is talking about the big the big change. The body fat measurements. We're going back to that again. I he said I used to love a Chinese after a game, you know, on a Saturday evening. Don't do it anymore. Wow. Like the sacrifices are too much. The game is too fast. Yeah, it just wouldn't happen. These guys are superhuman now. They're not even people anymore. Jack Charlton taking the Irish team 24 hours before they played Austria. Sorry, no, excuse me. The evening before they played Austria in a World Cup qualifier to have a fish and chip supper.
0: How'd they do in the game?
1: <laughs> Lost 3-1. Okay, there we go.
0: <laughs> hey, this was fun. Boy, what a great podcast. It was fire. Beautiful. All the positive adjectives that you can think of. It was lit. All of them.
1: And we hit our key deliverables.
0: Oh, that. Yeah. That's important. Hey, this was great, though. Our thanks, big thanks to Taylor Twelman. We, of course, will be watching uh, semifinals. He'll be on the call with John Champion, Philadelphia, and NYCFC. Good stuff, good stuff. Hey, JJ, to you I say. Take
1: you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, man. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer
2: Podcast.